Okay, we're beginning here on the top of Mem Zayin and by the Mishnah. We're continuing the process of a Nazir Bitara. This Nazir succeeded in getting pretty much to the end, but then had a little bit of an issue, which is Mishin Izrakalav Echad Min Adamim. He had brought already one of the Korbanot and Zrikat Adam. According to most of the Rishonim, that when we talk about here that you have one Korban, or you have something that's done, it's usually the Zrika Tadam that we're talking about, not just the Shechita, even though we spoke about in the previous Mishnayot, the Mishnayot mentioned Shechita, and there are some Mishonim that possibly suggest that based on that it should be Shechita, but over here from this Mishnah it seems indicative of the fact that Zrika is that threshold at which you've completed some of that process. So here he had Zrika Tadam of one of the animals, Vinitma, and now he became Tamei. Rebilezer says, you've now unwound everything. We're going to see in the Gemara that it's not exactly unwinding of everything. But Rebilezer, as Tosafu points out, is Lishitato. Because he said before, Achar Amasim Kulam. That was the bright that we saw yesterday. That Rebilezer's opinion is that you have to do everything in order to release the Nazir to drink wine and to be Metamele Metim. And bringing up one korban will not suffice in that manner. And it's as if he became Tamei while he was still a Nazir. Now he is Achar Malot. He did complete the Nazirut. And we know that the Din with regards to someone who becomes Tamei, once they finish their Nazirut, which is called Achar Malot, is different than becoming Tamei in the middle of your Nazirut. So over here he will be subject to the rules of Achar Malot, but it's still... He hasn't completed it far enough that this Tuma will have an impact over here. He brings the remainder of his Korbanot. Now, the way that Yushami explains it, Tosafot also quotes over here, and the Rosh as well, that Vitar doesn't mean that you bring your Korbanot and then become Tahor, but rather you become Tahor and then bring the remainder of your Korbanot. And Azir has got to bring his Korbanot, Vitahara. So you have to then wait seven days to be mitayar yourself from the tumata mate, and then he'll bring the remainder of his korbanot. Because according to the chachamim, the single korban that he brings is the end of his nizirut. That we saw yesterday as well. That once you have kevin shnizrakalav achad min adamim, then that's sufficient for you to be finished with your nizirut. And therefore, when he became tamei now, it's nothing to do with nizirut. The only reason he needs to become tahor is because he can't bring his korbanot without being tahor. And therefore, he has to wait seven days. Nothing to do with nizirut. Everything to do with becoming tahor from tumat hamait. The requisite seven days that you need. And then he'll bring the remainder of his korbanot. Amrulo masib Miriam atarmudit. There was this incident with Miriam, who was from Tarmud. Exactly this case where. She had one of the korbanot were brought. They told her that her daughter was wavering between life and death. And when she got there, she had passed away. Whether that happened when she arrived and she was surprised, and that's why she became Tamea, or the fact that when she got there, her daughter already passed away, and she was mitapel with her daughter, dealt with the daughter and took care of her. Whenever she became Tmeah Tumat Mate, that she should bring the remainder of her Kurbanot and become Tor again. It means become Tor and bring the remainder of her Kurbanot. The same Sakalocha of the position of the Chachamim over here. Nimar now asks the obvious question. 
Don't we already know, in Rabbi Eliezer's opinion, once you reach Achar Malot, you only have to keep seven days if you become Tameh. That's whether you bring no Korban, whether you bring one Korban, it doesn't matter what you've brought. Even if you're still a Nazir, once you've completed the days of Nazirut, and you're just waiting to bring the Korbanot, which is called the Achar Malot, then you only have to wait the seven days. We spoke in the past as to the reason for those seven days. The Chachamim, on the other hand, disagree and say that you have to wait 30 days, Achar Melot. And as Tosafot points out over here, and the Rosh as well, that that was based on the sheet of the Chachamim, that you wait 30 days, but it's only Midor Rabbanan. Even the Rabbanan agreed that Midor Raita, you don't have to wait 30 days, that you only have to wait seven days. Therefore, the Chachamim over here would say that it's enough to do seven days, be mamited out of the Doraita. So even though, according to the Chachamim, he would possibly be Soter, Shloshim Yom, nevertheless, because that's their Abonah, at least according to Barapodo, therefore we would only require seven days. But the Rosh rejects even that, and says, you don't need to have any Sti right here. He completed the Nizirut. And the seven days are simply here, because they have to become Tohor. Because Nira de Rabbanan ain't can stira klal. There is no stira whatsoever, because the Rabbanon believe that she's done. Once you've reached the point of Zvikat Adam, once you've done one of the Korbanot, you're at the point that the Nizirut is considered to be over. And therefore the seven days here is not anything to do with the Nizirut, but rather the seven days that you wait over here is for Tumah, in order to become Tahor, to deal with the Korbanot that you have to deal with. There is an opinion in the Rishonim that we take the Mishnah literally, which is that he can send his korbanot and then become tohor because he's no longer a nazir. Just like the Rosh says over here that he's not a nazir anymore, and that's why he only has to wait seven days to become tohor to bring the remaining korbanot. Because a nazir has to bring his korbanot bitara, but if he's ois nazir because he brought one of the korbanot, then maybe also he could send his korbanot with someone else, and he doesn't have to be tohor. But that would read the Mishnah literally, which is that he sends the other two korbanot bitara, and then he becomes tohor. So now, according to Rabbi Eliezer, the Rosh says that he thinks that none of the Korbanot by themselves release the Nazir. Therefore, all the Korbanot together are singing as a single unit. And since in the Mishnah, you only completed one of the Korbanot, you still haven't gotten past that threshold. And therefore, you're still a Nazir. Now, the Gemara says, so Rabbi Eliezer says, Does it mean that He's soter the nizirut. Soter means here the korbanotav. Achanami mistabra. That makes a lot of sense. Tiktani, because the chachamim's response to Rabbi Eliezer is tavi shar korbanotav vititar that she should bring the remainder of a korbanot after she becomes tohor. Meaning that they're responding to Rabbi Eliezer's statement that she has to bring all of the korbanot. So now they say no. Just bring the remainder of the korbanot later on. Shmamina. Again, that's a proof. And again, the Gemara here now brings an additional proof from the latter half of the mission, the story there, which is, And the Chachamim here say again that she brings the remainder of her Korbanot after she becomes Torah. I mean, again, that the Chachamim are addressing the Korbanot in response to Rabbi Eliezer. So it must mean that Rabbi Lezer's issue is with the Korbanot, and not that these are stira of the Nizirut. They're simply a seven-day period that you wait, and then you bring the Korbanot. And the seven days for Rabbi Lezer will be a stira. So he does have a stira of seven days, 
But it's no different than the Chachamim seven days, it's just for a different reason. The Chachamim needs seven days because you have to come to Or. Religion needs seven days because you were Soter, your Nizirut. That seven days that were Soter, Nizirut, also will double as the seven days to become Tahor. And then, seemingly, the Machloka between them is about the first Korban. The first Korban that they brought, does that qualify as a Korban or not? The Chachamim say, the first Korban worked, and the Nizirut is over, and then you're just waiting to become Tahor to do the subsequent two Korbanot. Now then, Revelation says the first Korban was disqualified, because you're Soter and Nizirut, and therefore, you have to repeat all three korbanot after the seven days. So the machloket between them will really revolve around that first korban. Everybody agrees that the latter two korbanot will be brought later. The only question is the first korban, whether that qualified according to Chamim, it was fine. According to Rabbi Lezer, it was not. And you'll have to repeat it according to Rabbi Eliezer. The Mifaresh brings an additional explanation, which says that the korbanot that we're speaking about here are all the korbanot, and not just the first korban which is that the Chachamim agree that the first Korban is disqualified, and that you have to bring a new Korban, just like Rabbi Eliezer, the first Korban is disqualified because you became Tameh. But, the question is with the remaining two Korbanot. You were Mafrish, three Korbanot, to use for your Nizirut. Then you used one of them, and became Tameh. According to Rabbi Eliezer, that not only disqualifies the first one that you brought already, but also disqualifies the subsequent two that you wanted to bring because they were a unit of Korbanot that was designated for your Nizirut. And that Nizirut fell apart. So now you have to bring a new set of three Korbanot. On the other hand, the Chachamim believe, yes, you do have to repeat the first Korban, but the other two Korbanot which you set aside, you just wait and you bring those later. So the only thing you'll have to replace is the first Korban, the other two Korbanot that you already were mafrish, you can utilize them. And that's what the... Mifaresh explains over here, according to Rabbi Eliezer, that Otan Shifrish Tchila, you have to replace them. Only that first Kurban doesn't work. You have to replace it. The other ones that were set aside, you don't have to replace. The second explanation that he brings suggests that even the Chachamim agree that that first Kurban, even though it brings him over the threshold in terms of the fact that he could be now metamele metim and yayin, but the fact that it broke up the unit of korbanot forces him to replace that first korban and bring it together with the other two korbanot to bring them as a single unit. Okay, with that we end the parak Adonalach, Shlosha Minin. Okay, now we move on to the next parak. This is something we discussed in the introduction to Nazir, which is that a Nazir in many ways is compared to a Kohen Gadol. That's both in the halachot, that applied to a Nazir, as well as the language that is used in the Torah that parallels the language of a Kohen Gadol. One of the key areas has to do with Tumah. A Kohen Gadol cannot become Tamei, Tumat Mate, for anyone. Even his closest relatives, he's not allowed to become Tamei, Tumat Mate. The Nazir has that same restriction. He may not become Tamei, Tumat Mate, even for the close relatives. The Kohen Hedjot, a regular Kohen on the other hand, does have a dispensation for the seven krovim to come tamei. It's not allowed to become tamei, tamei, outside of that, but for the seven krovim he can't become tamei. But the nazir and the kohen gadol are in that same level where they can't become tamei for anyone. So now we have the question, which is, if you have a kohen gadol and nazir, they cannot become tamei for their relatives. Aval mitamim lemate mitzvah. But they do become tamei, tamei, the mate mitzvah. 
Now, the girsa over here is somewhat problematic. Tosafot already points it out. He says, B'sifrehi, that's, this is quoted in the Sifrei, Avau, metameh meit mitzvah, velo garsinin laik, demuchach b'gemara. He says, later on in the Gemara, we're going to see that it's clear that this line of the Mishnah, that they're allowed to be metameh the meit mitzvah, does not appear in the Mishnah. Because if it does appear in the Mishnah, then the Gemara's question later on is on a statement that we made in the Gemara and not on the Mishnah. Otherwise, the Gemara should just be asked on the Mishnah. The fact that the Gemara does not ask the question on the Mishnah shows you that this line did not appear in the Mishnah. So even though it's obvious that Kohen Gadol ben Azir aimitamin the Kroven, but it does not explicitly then say about mitamin the made mitzvah. If they were walking along the way, umatzo made mitzvah, and then they found a made mitzvah, Rabbi Lezomer, itamei Kohen Gadol, ba'al itamei Nazir. The Kohen Gadol should become tamei, and not the Nazir. That the Nazir should become Tamei and not the Kohen Gadol. So here you have the comparison of the Nazir and the Kohen Gadol. And the question, the bottom line, comes down to who's better? Who trumps whom in this situation? Is the Nazir greater than the Kohen Gadol? Or is the Kohen Gadol greater than the Nazir in terms of Dusha? And if we have a choice between the two of them, who should become Tamei to, to be mitapel with the mate mitzvah. Amar leim Rabbi Eliezer, itamei koin sheinu mevi kurban al tumato, val itamei nazir shu mevi kurban al tumato. I'll prove to you that the nazir is a higher level of kedusha because if he becomes tamei, he has to bring korbanot. And if he has to bring korbanot, we'd rather protect the nazir and not have him bring the korbanot. And now the koin gadol to come tamei where there's no ramifications to the tumah. In terms of korbanot, he simply has to become tor. He may not perform a voda in the interim, but there are no ramifications in terms of procedural ramifications for him that would make us want to have the nazir become tamei over the kohen gadol. So Amrulo, they responded to him and said, "Itamei nazir The nazir should become tamei because his kedusha is temporary. And the Kohen should not become Tamei because his Kedusha is permanent. And that's why the Girsa earlier on might be also Kohen Hejot. Because that statement of permanent Kedusha is not only relevant by a Kohen Gadol, it's also relevant by a Kohen Hejot. And that would imply that even a Kohen Hejot would trump a Nazir because his Kedusha is Kedushat Olam. It's a permanent Kedusha as opposed to Nazir who's entered himself into a world of Kedusha temporarily. So even though, obviously, you could ask Nair, what about a Nazir Olam? He should then have a Kedusha that lasts just as long as a Kohen Gadol. They're both permanent Kedusha. So you can answer that in a number of different ways. Either Nazir Olam only starts from the time that he takes on his net in Nazirut. So he wasn't a Nazir the entirety of his life, forever. Or the word the Olam means that that's someone who is Kadosh Mirechem, someone who is Kadosh at birth. And that might also manifest itself in the way that Kedushat Olam means that that's Kedushat that's passed to the next door. The child of the Kohen will be a Kohen. The child of the Nazir will not be a Nazir. And that's what it means that their Kedushat is the Olam. Or, like we've said many times before, a Nazir can be Shoel on the Dro. And since he has the ability to unwind his nether, it's not always the Olam. As opposed to the Kohen who can never get out of being a Kohen. So now the Gemara says, Bishlama. Kohen Gadol the Nazir. The word Bishlama is used throughout Shas, usually as a logical argument, and that's not what it means over here, because it's not about logic, this is simply a presentation of facts 
And therefore, it really is equivalent to the word shita that's used other places in Shas. But in Nazir, as always, there are usages of Lishonot that we find that are different than other places in Shas. Haisavar Kohen Gadol Adif. Haisavar Nazir Adif. We understand the Machloket in the Mishnah. We have Kohen Gadol Nazir who have the same din and the same language in the Torah. And it's a question of which one trumps. And here they have differing opinions as to who should be the one that is considered to be a higher level of Kedushah. But now we have other comparisons or competitions here between different levels of Kedushah. And we want to know who goes first. Meshuach b'shem and Someone who had become a Kohen Gadol through the anointing of the Shem and Mishcha, and another Kohen Gadol who became a Kohen Gadol through Merubeh Migadim. Merubeh Migadim means that the Kohen Gadol simply becomes the Kohen Gadol because he wears the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol as opposed to the Kohen Ejo who wears four garments. That happens after the time of Yoshio and Melech when the Shem and Mishcha was put into Genizah. So the Kohen Gadolim prior to that point in time were Nimshach B'Shem and Amishcha. Kohen Gadolim after that point in time where there was no Shem and Amishcha, they became Kohen Gadolim because they served what they ate B'Kadim. That's what made them into a Kohen Gadol. So now if you have the two of them walking along the way and they bump into a mate mitzvah, who's going to take precedence? The Gemara here says unequivocally, the Meshuach B'Shem and Amishcha Abdif. The one who was anointed with the Shem and Amishcha is greater. Tilu Meshuach B'Shem and Amishcha Mevi Parabala Mitzvot. There is a special Kurban Chatat for a Kohen Gadol, similar to the Par Helam Dover Shel Tzibur, where if the Tzibur as a whole sins, if it was based on a Psak Peitin in the particular situation that's laid out in the Mishnayot and Horiot and the Gemara Sanhedrin, so then they bring a Par for the Tzibur. A Kohen Gadol also paskins for himself and does something that would otherwise be subject to a Chatat, he brings is a par Kohen Gadol, or par Mashiach it's called. There is also a Sa'ir Nasi, and then a regular Chatat that an individual brings. That special par of the Kohen Gadol is only brought by the Meshuach B'Shem and Amishcha. Because over there, he is defined in the Psukim as the Kohen Mashiach. The coin that was anointed with the Shem and Amishcha. And so therefore only one who was anointed with Shem and Amishcha would bring that power. Not someone who came into service through being a Merube Migadim. Vim Kohen HaMashiach limits it to the Mishuach Vim Shem and Amishcha and therefore he will trump over here. How exactly this came about is somewhat difficult and subject to Machloket Rishonim as to how you have a scenario like this, I'm going to postpone it for one second and we'll give another example and then discuss this. The Gemara says, Meshuach Shavar, Umerube Begadim. If you have a Meshuach Hashem and Mishcha who is out of service, Umerube Begadim, who's in service as the Kohen Gadol, Merube Begadim, Adif. Then the Merube Begadim is Trump's in this case. The Merube Begadim, Avid Abuda. He is in service. Be'avilu Meshuach Shavar, Lav Baravodi. The other hand, the Meshuach, which is in retirement in a sense, he's been disqualified at this point, he can't do Avodah. Now, let's take a step back, just to understand the Lachot here, that if something happens to the Kohen Gadol, there is a backup Kohen Gadol. If that backup Kohen Gadol comes into service, then he serves as the Kohen Gadol until the return of the original Kohen Gadol. 
Once the original Kohen Gadol returns to service, then the backup is disqualified completely. He can no longer be a Kohen Gadol, because there is a Kohen Gadol. He can no longer be a Kohen Gadol, because Malim B'Kodesh Vein Muridin. So he's stuck in this twilight zone, in this in-between stage where he can't do a Voda, because he's not a Kohen Gadol, he's not a Kohen Gadol. So therefore, over here, it's clear that if you have a Vire, someone who has once the Kohen Gadol and now taken out of service, versus the active Kohen Gadol, then the active Kohen Gadol will take precedence. You could have asked the question as, if you have a Merubeh Begadim, that's a Vire, versus a Merubeh Begadim who's in service, or a Meshuach, who a Vire and a Meshuach in service, the in-service Kohen Gadol is the one that always trumps over here. Now the Gemara brought a case that compared a Kohen Sha'avar, but he was Meshuach, B'Shem and Mishka, to Merubeh Begadim was in active service. So here you might have thought that the Kohen Meshuach, B'Shem and Mishka, takes precedence, and the Merubeh Begadim, even though he's in service, would become Tameh. The answer to the Gemara is it's no different than any other case. The active service coin always takes precedence. Right, so now the question that you have here, and you can see there's a Tosfot on this Amud, the Rosh over here, and there's a massive Tosfot on the previous Amud is, how exactly do these scenarios play out? How do you have someone that's Mashuach B'Shem and Mishka, and someone who is also in Merubeh B'Gadim? So you have this threshold, at which the Shem and Mishka was put into Gniza. But then, if the Mashuach B'Shem and Mishka is there, and he's in service, why is there a Merubeh Begadim? Now, if you tell me that he came in to replace him, he was a Merubeh Begadim, and then he went back out of service, that's the next question, which is a case where you have someone in service and someone out of service. The same question can be asked in the second case. How do you have a Meshuach Shavar? How do you have a Meshuach Meshavar Mishcha who's now out of service, and the Merubeh Begadim is in service, because the Meshuach Meshavar Mishcha would always precede the Merubeh Begadim. Because the Shem and Mishcha went into Geniza. So if you're Merube Begadim, then the Shem and Mishcha was the primary Kohen Gadol. And that means that he should have come back into service. Yeah. Suggesting is right, that it's a backup that came into service. The backup would be the later Kohen Gadol. He'd be the more likely to be the Merube Begadim. And he'd be the one who's out of service. Meshuach B'Shem and Mishcha would be the one who is in service. So how do you come up with these scenarios that work out this way? So here in the Rosh, Explains over here. How do you have two Kohanim Gedolim that are in service at the same time? The Kohen Gadol had a emission. And therefore they brought in someone who's Merube Gedolim to fill in for him. Says that doesn't make any sense. The Chazid Avoda. Gadim, Lo Chazid Avoda. Then it should be the same as the scenario in the second case, because then the Meshuach, B'Shem and Mishcha, will come back into service. Once he gets over his Tumah, then he'll be the one in service, and the Merubi Gadim would not be in service. Because the first one always comes back into service. Perish Harabini Moshe, Kigon, Shechala Kohen Gadol. Kohen Gadol became sick or ill. Oh, Gala, or he was put into Galut. Remember, the Galut takes place over a number of years. There is Galut, Yechonia, Yoyakim, and Sidkiyahu, which take place over a span of years. And therefore, the Kohen Gadol, who was Mashuach, Meshem, and Mishka, might have put into exile. 
And then they had to appoint a new Kohen Gadol, an interim. Since this new Kohen Gadol was in service for a very long time, we don't remove him. Even when the Kohen who has Mashuach Hashem and Mishcha comes back and wants to be the Kohen Gadol again. It's only when it's a short-term type of Tumah do we say that the replacement is in for a short duration and the original comes back. But in case where he's ill and then he becomes healthy again, then we go back to the original state. But when long-duration sicknesses or Tumah or he has a long time in exile and then he comes back, then the second one would still be in service. So that's how he comes up with the scenario where you would have both of them in service, even though the Merubi Begadim was a later appointee as a Kohen Gadol. So he says, how do you have a case here where the Meshuach, Hashem and Mishcha is out of service, and the Merubi Begadim is in service? The Meshuach should always take precedence because he was first. So how do you have the Merubi Begadim? He says, either he retired... He aged out where he was felt he was too old, he couldn't do it anymore, and he resigned the position. Or, it's a case where the king intervened. And there was political forces intervening that appointed the new Kohen Gadol, even though the prior Kohen Gadol was still Ra'ui to be a Kohen Gadol. But the political appointment put this new Kohen Gadol into service, even though the other one was still there. Because this is all about Bayit Rishon, because the Shia Melech is in Bayit Rishon. And so Tosfot is applying something that we know happened in Bayit Sheni to Bayit Rishon. So it's interesting because we don't have any evidence of the fact that there was political intervention necessarily in Bayit Rishon. All Tosfot says is we know there was such corruption in Bayit Sheni. Maybe the same thing happened towards the end of Bayit Rishon as well. And that's how you have a case of a Merubah Begadim in service and a Meshuach B'Shem and Mishcha that is out of service. Or Tosfot says the scenario could be a case where the Kohen Mashuach was Tamei on Yom HaKippurim. He got a backup Kohen Mashuach to fill in for him. And then he came back into service. After he came back into service, he passed away. And now they're replacing that Kohen Mashuach Hashem and Mishcha with a Merubah Begadim. Now, that Merubah Begadim will be the in-service Kohen. The Kohen Mashuach will be now Shavar because he only serviced as a backup Kohen. They didn't appoint the backup as the full Kohen Gadol for whatever reason, whether he wasn't as good as the one that was Merubah Begadim or he was too old at this point in time. So those are some of the scenarios or the conditions by which you could have these cases. So either you have to be dealing with a Kohen Gadol who is taken out of service for a long duration and therefore the replacement Kohen stays in service even though he's a later Kohen Gadol, Merubah Begadim. And the case of the Merubah Begadim being in service and Meshuach out of service is either there's some sort of political intervention or that the original Kohen Gadol retires or abdicates, in a sense, his role as Kohen Gadol because he either feels in a, it's something that takes him out of service. And that's why the Merubah Begadim over here is in service and the Meshuach, who's earlier, is out of service. So that's have a scenario where you have both of them in service and a scenario where you have the Merubah Begadim in service and the Meshuach out of service. Even though, again, sequentially, the Merubah Begadim would always be after the Mashuach and should be always of a lower stature than the Mashuach Hashem and Mishcha. These are scenarios that can create where the Merubah Begadim would take precedence or a case where they'd both be in service at the same time.
spend a lot of time explaining it, but the Gemara just said it's obvious that this and this, he takes precedent. This and this, he takes precedent. The difficulty is, what's the scenario? Now, it could be that it's a theoretical scenario. The truth is that you could explain the Gemara as just being a theoretical scenario, comparing the two, and the Gemara is saying it's obvious that this one takes precedence, this one doesn't take precedence, because, again, the scenario is only a single point in history where it would have happened, and maybe the Gemara is not even looking for a real case, like the Rishonim are looking for over here, but just talking about, theoretically, if you had these two in competition, this would be the outcome. Avar Mahmat Kiryo, if he was taken out of service because he became Kerry, or he's taken out of service because he got a mul. He has a blemish. Now here, Tzosva points out that's whether it's a permanent blemish or a temporary blemish. The one who's taken out of service for being a Balkari takes precedence. Balkari goes to the mikveh, has Harab Shemesh, and he's back in service the next day. As long as the blemish is there, he can't serve in the Mikdash. And so it does it again. Ben, it's a mum kavur, a mum over. He still has to wait till the mum disappears and then come back in service. But while the mum is there, he's completely out of service and he's out of service for a duration. It's not just a short period of time. And the Rosh says, Vuadin, Balkeri, or If you are comparing them that the Balkeri would take precedence over the one who has a mum. This is the question we have. If you have two, let's call them second level or secondary types of Kohenim Gedolim, what is their din? You have here the Meshuach Milchama, who is a special Kohen who is appointed to lead the troops in battle. He carries the Aron out into the battle. He serves as the Kohen Gadol of the battle. And he's a special category called the Meshuach Milchama. Skan is the backup Kohen Gadol for the Kohen Gadol. If something happens to him, he's the backup. Which one it takes precedence? So again, versus the Kohen Gadol himself, it's obvious that the Kohen Gadol would trump in these cases because the Kohen Gadol is in service. The question is here, when you're talking about two secondary individuals, how does their hierarchy relate to each other? Meshuach Milchama Adif, Dechazi the Milchama, Meshuach Milchama takes precedence because he's in service. He has a job to do. Or on the other hand, maybe this guy should take precedence because he can actually function as the Kohen Gadol in service in the Mikdash. The Meshuach Milchama will never function as the Kohen Gadol or be in service in the Mikdash. His service is in the battlefield, not in the Mikdash. Even though a Skan Kohen Gadol is really in all essence, technically he's a Kohen Hedjot, then he can become Tamei to Krovim, nevertheless, either because the Rabbonan elevated his status to that of a Kohen Gadol, or in the position as the backup Kohen Gadol, he's subject to all the rules of Kohen Gadol, otherwise he can't be a good backup for the Kohen Gadol. So he can't become Tamei to Matamei, because then otherwise he won't be able to fill in for the Kohen Gadol. The reason the Kohen Gadol can't be Matamei himself is because he's irreplaceable as the leader of Kaisro, as the spiritual leader and the one who leads the service in the Migdash. So too, the Skan who's backing him up must be always ready to be in service and therefore he will be precluded from coming to me. Tashma. So let's see from here. Detanya. Ein bein mishuach melchama l'skan elashim hayu me'alchim baderech umitzo meit mitzvah itamei mishuach melchama v'al itamei skan. So here we have it explicitly. We have a brighter that says there's no difference between a mishuach melchama and a skan but that if they're walking together and they find a meit mitzvah 
that the Meshuach Lombacha becomes Tamei and the Skan does not become Tamei. So it's clear here which one takes precedence. Mar says, Vatanya, don't we say that Meshuach Melchama called him the Skan? And we're talking about hierarchy. We always say that the Meshuach Melchama gets precedence over the Skan. So if we're ranking them in terms of importance, the Meshuach Melchama comes before the Skan Kohen. So why are you telling me that the only difference between them is the fact that the Meshuach Melchama should become Tamei, that seems to be inconsistent with saying that the Meshuach Melchama takes precedence, or as in a line of hierarchy, sits above the Skan Kohen Gadol. And then even though it's obvious, as, as the Mephresh points out here, and as the Tosafot points out over here, it's obvious that this is not the only difference between them. He says, There are many things where the Meshuach Melchama takes precedence over the skan. Vatani kule kule tani. That they talk about the kulo. The ain kula. Shnohege b'shuach melchama. Shlotinog b'skan elahach. She tamei b'shuach melchama. Vloitamei skan. So why does the brightness say ain bain? There's no difference between them except for the fact that the b'shuach melchama comes tamei. That's not true. There are tons of things that are different between a b'shuach melchama and a skan. So what Dosefo points out is that here they only told you the items that are the kula. Items where the skan takes precedence. Ain bein mishuach mother skan, where the skan will take precedence is tuma. That's the only difference between them, where the skan takes precedence. But that means, and then we do have a bright that it corroborates that the mishuach mechama should trump the skan. And so then why by tuma do we not say that? Or the other way around. If the skan takes precedence in terms of tuma, then in other items he should also take precedence over the mishuach mechama. Why are we inconsistent in terms of our ranking of these two individuals? So, Amar Marzutra, Linin Hachayoto, Meshuach Melchama Adif. The answer is that in terms of saving his life or taking care of him, the Meshuach Melchama takes precedence. My time to Talubei Rabim. Because over there, we need him. He's a public servant. And he's needed to conduct Melchama, to conduct battles. And therefore, in terms of saving his life, in terms of hierarchy anywhere else, he takes precedence because the public at large needs his services. Ulinian Tuma, when we're talking about rankings in terms of Tusha, then the Skan is Adif. The Skan going Gadol is Adif because he can do Avoda. Now right now he's not in service because he's the backup going Gadol. But nevertheless, because he can do Avoda, he has a higher level of Kedusha. So now we have, what is the tension between higher level of Kedusha, which is the Skan, and a person who is a higher level because of their necessity toward the public at large. So one is a utility aspect, which is we need the Mishuach Melchama, and the other one is a Kedusha aspect. So when it comes to matters of Kedusha, which is Tumah, the Skan Kohen will take precedence. In cases where it comes to issues of the public, which means whose life do we save? Who do we give precedence to? That's Mishuach Melchama, because over there it's not a question of Kedusha, it's a question of necessity or need. Who do we need the utility of more? And that is the Shuach Melchama. And therefore, we'll give precedence to saving him. For instance, if they, a building collapses on them, we'll try to get the Shuach Melchama out first before we get the Skan out. Okay, Tanya, Rabbi Chanina ben Antigonus Omer, Lama Tiknu Skan Kohen Gadol. Why do they appoint a backup Kohen Gadol? Shimir Psul, Tachtav. So because if there is something that goes wrong with the Kohen Gadol, he'll come in and replace him. So therefore it indicates that he has a higher level of Kedushah because he will step into the shoes of the Kohen Gadol. 
But that's with regards to Kedusha, not with regards to utility to the public at large. Now the Gemara says, Adkan lo plige, gadol v'nazir. They only argue in our Mishnah between a Kohen gadol v'nazir. When they're walking together. If they each go individually, we would say that they become to for a mate mitzvah. From here, Tosfot proves that in the Mishnah, the mate mitzvah is never mentioned. Our Gemara now, through a diuk, proves that a Kohen Gadol, walking alone, and bumps into a mate mitzvah, that he would become Tamei. Or a Nazir walking alone, if he bumps into a mate mitzvah, would then take care of the mate mitzvah and become Tamei. Now, the Gemara does that through a diuk, saying that Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim argue about who takes precedence, but they don't argue that if they're alone, that each one of them would be obligated to take care of the mate mitzvah. If you have in the gears of our Mishnah, like we have in our Mishnah, which says, you wouldn't need a diuk for that. It's explicit in the Mishnah that they become today for a mate mitzvah. Why do you have to make it a diuk that, oh, if they're together, only one of them, but if they were alone, then each one of them would be obligated. It says it explicitly in the Mishnah. Therefore, Tosfo believes that that girsa is not in the Mishnah. Because otherwise, the Gemara could have just said, Why? That's all you have to do. The fact that the Gemara first makes a deal to figure that out, shows you that that girsa was not found in the Mishnah. And now, the Gemara says, Why? Where do we know this from? When it comes to the Kohen Gadol, he may not become Tamei to anyone. But what is this Pasuk speaking about? If we're talking about people who are not relatives, it's certain. Who's allowed to become Tamei for the seven relatives. He cannot become Tamei for people that are not relatives. Who's not allowed to become Tamei for Krovim. Then certainly should not become Tamei for Rechokim. So I don't need a Pesach to teach me about people who are not Krovim. Must be that the Pasuk speaking about relatives. And it's saying that the Kohen Gadol may not become Tamei for his relatives. Then it gives a list. Right? And it gives a list of people who are included. Why do you need to give me the list of Lavivulimo? If it already says, I called enough showed mate, lo yavo, and that already tells you no relatives is he allowed to become to mate for. So that makes that avivimo are extraneous, and now we're gonna have drashot from the extraneous words of avivimo. Tosavo points out over here that the Gemara is very difficult, because the word aviv cannot be extraneous. How did the Gemara know that the Kohen Gadol is not mitameit rechokim, it was a kalvachomer from Kohen Hejot. What was the kalvachomer? The Kohen Hejot, who's permitted to get tamei, become Tamei for Krovim, is not permitted to become Tamei for Rechokim. The Kohen Gadol, who is not permitted to become Tamei for Krovim, certainly by Rechokim. Wait, how do you know that a Kohen Gadol cannot become Tamei to Krovim? Because it says, Aviv Vimo. That means that you need the word Aviv. The Gemara is about to darsh, and the word is being completely extraneous. So what Tosavot says is that it's not a real Kalvachomer, but rather, every Kohen Gadol started out as a Kohen Hejot. So, if a Kohen Gadol is just a Kohen Ejol plus, then he's restricted as a Kohen Ejol from becoming Tamei to Rechokim. And if that's the case, then the extra Pasuk, that's the Pasuk that says, Akhon Nafshot, Meit Lo Yavo, by the Kohen Gadol, must be adding something beyond what the Kohen Ejol is already restricted in. The Kohen Ejol is already restricted in Rechokim. So that must be that this is coming to restrict him in Krovim. 
And that makes the words of Ivimo extraneous. And now the Gemara is going to darshin from those words. We'll do the first of them today, which is Aviv. And then tomorrow we'll continue, the Gemara tomorrow will continue with doing this, both by the Kohen Gadol, as well as by the Nazir. In both cases, there's a pasuk that restricts them from becoming Tamei. And then there are a list of individuals who they may not become Tamei for. In each of those cases, the list of individuals is extraneous. And each one of them will teach us a din. Each one of those words will teach us a special din. So here we'll just deal with the one that we're asking about is, how do we know that a going gadol becomes tamei for tamei mitzvah? The answer is, Ela b'kovim ha-katum b'dever, u'laviv hu-deinu mitamei, ha-mitamei hu mitzvah. The word aviv is extraneous then. And what does that teach you? It teaches you that for his father he may not become tamei, but he does become tamei for a mate mitzvah. And that is what we learn out of the word aviv. Aviv comes to make a miyut. It's a limitation saying that only aviv is he restricted from becoming Tamei for? But there is an individual who he can become Tamei for, and that is a mid mitzvah. And then the Gemara tomorrow will continue that Imo is used for a Gzeirashava, that will continue to discuss tomorrow the extraneous words and how the different Tanaim darshan these extraneous words that are found by the Kohen Gadol and by the Nazir. Okay, we'll stop here at the bottom of Memzayin Amudbet.